0: Welcome. 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 Welcome.
1: Welcome. 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 Welcome.
0: Welcome. 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 Welcome
1: to Batavia Covenant Church. A reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 1 through 9. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion to the descendants of Jacob. For day after day, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its gods. They ask me for decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say? And you have not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of our fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife. And in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen, only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed, and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is this what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly disappear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call And the Lord will answer, you will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. The second reading is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people lamp a light and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come to not abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches other accordingly will be called the least in heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord.
0: When I was in high school, I went to a um, retreat, and, uh, and this, this retreat, uh, had, it, was, it was a student-led, student-run retreat, and every single retreat was the same. And about halfway through on Saturday, um, we would watch the same video over and over again. And and uh, m- my wife and I both went through this retreat at different points in time, and we both kind of had a similar reaction to this video. Uh, this video was made, I don't know, maybe in the '70s or something, uh, and it looks like it was made in the '70s or something. And 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 all of our friends who had seen it before were like, "Oh, you're gonna love this. It's just so great." And 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 we're like, "Okay." And then and then the the uh, the, the scene breaks. It's called The Music Box. It's the title of the movie. Maybe some of you have seen it. Um, and and, and the, the, this, the opening scene is a shot, gray day, much similar to, to today, of this bleak skyline and just kind of foggy and dreary. And there's, eventually the, the camera pans into this, this dark and gray warehouse where there's this assembly line of windshield washer fluid bottles. And they're moving down the line. And there's these guys who are sitting there grabbing one, cap and putting it onto a bottle and then onto the next. And it zooms into this one guy who, who I don't know if he was sad, but I think he was just bored. And, 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 and you could just see it on his face. There was nothing, just dull gray. And you see him go home and to dinner with his family, his wife and his son, and he just sits there. They sit in silence and watch TV together, and there's no joy, there's no emotion, there's no life. Life. Well, the next day he gets up for work and he walks down the alley and there in the alley he's met by an angel. Now, this isn't your typical angel, except maybe that this angel has white wings, Uh, but but this is an angel dressed in a a full white tuxedo with tails uh, and and these awkward-looking wings on the back. Uh, It's Charles Johnson of the Gospel Quartet, the Sensational Nightingales, and soon he's surrounded uh, by his whole ensemble, and they start singing a song together, Hallelujah to the King of Kings, and it sings about Jesus and what he's come to do and everything and pretty soon the guy starts clapping along and singing along and his countenance changes and it's this incredible experience suddenly he has joy and then and then as soon as quickly as the moment started the angels are gone and and he's left there in the alley all by himself and he looks down at his feet and there's a music box And he picks up this music box. And as soon as he opens it up, the music starts playing again. And he gets really happy again. But then he closes it and he sticks it inside of his coat. And as he goes throughout his business in the coming days, he finds places where he can sneak off by himself in in the break room at work when everybody else is still on the assembly line. Or or in in the bedroom with the door shut. And, and, And you hear this music and you see the joy on his face. But he keeps it to himself. I think about the blessings that God gives us. Last week we talked about the Beatitudes, these incredible blessings that God gives us in the midst of things that seem not so great. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What a blessing the kingdom of heaven is. And and then Jesus speaks about those who mourn will be comforted. Those who are meek will inherit the earth. The blessings of comfort and and the earth those who will be filled with righteousness and with justice. Those who will receive mercy who will see God. Incredible blessings. Blessings that give joy and life and, 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 and just abundance overflowing. But they're blessings that we might be tempted to keep to ourselves, aren't they? I wonder if sometimes we're tempted to do that. Jesus gives us incredible blessings. If you've walked with Christ for a while, I think you know at least a taste of what I'm talking about. The joy of salvation, the grace of his presence, the life and vitality that comes into even a gray day like today. But Jesus didn't intend us to keep these things to ourselves, did he? This, so they go back to the movie, and eventually at the end, uh, the man is lying asleep in bed, and you see he's got his music box tucked underneath his pillow. And then all of a sudden, the angels are there at the foot of his bed again, and, uh, and, and, and they wake him up, and he's startled, and, and, and he's so surprised, what are you doing here? And, and, and they say, hey, you're not supposed to hoard it. And he said, what? The gift that you got, you're not supposed to hoard it. And he said, oh, they won't understand. She won't understand, talking about his wife who's lying in the bed to sleep next to him. And then the music starts, of course, and she does understand it, and she gets it. You're not supposed to hoard it. The blessings that God gives us are not meant to be hoarded. The blessings of salvation are material blessings, whatever blessing uh, you, you, you may hold on to tightly. My friends, these things are not meant to be hoarded. I think about those who were there listening to Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And, and as he preaches about the Beatitudes, there's these beautiful things that he's talking about. Blessed are those who, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart. And you're like, yeah. The blessings that God has given me, this is so good. But then it starts to turn. Jesus says, Blessed are you when people insult you. Now we're not in the third person, we're in the second person. Blessed are you. Rejoice and be glad. Great is your reward. And then he goes on in verse 13 to our scripture for today. You, you are the the salt of the earth. Again, a few verses later, you are the light of the world. Suddenly it's not this impersonal blessed are those who, but suddenly there's like a spotlight on the disciples as if to say, this is who you are. These blessings aren't just things that I've given you, but actually I've given you for a purpose. And when you receive these blessings, you're transformed for a very specific purpose. Have you ever been uh, maybe listening to someone speak or talk or, uh, or, or, or give a sermon or something and, and, and the person up front says something that you're like, man, how did you know about that? Like it just sounds like a word that was right directed to you. Have you ever had that experience? I was at Midwinter a couple weeks ago and I, and I had that moment uh, where at, at the end of a talk there was a time of silent prayer and, and I was praying and reflecting on some things and, and the person up front says, I wonder if there might be some in the room who need to hear today. And it was a word that was spoken directly to me. Jesus has blessings for us, a word for us, a calling for us, and He narrows that spotlight down onto us. And it can feel pretty uncomfortable, can it? it? Can feel pretty uncomfortable when we feel like God is putting us in the spotlight. Jesus, what do you mean? You are the salt of the earth. What do you mean? I am the light of the world. I just started following you not so long ago. What are you talking about? Maybe we should go through some sort of a professional evangelism program so that I know how to present the gospel in five steps. Or or, or, or maybe, maybe you're confusing me with someone else. I'm not salt. I'm not light. And yet Jesus says, no, no, you are. You are because you've received the blessings. You are who you are because I've made you that way. You are who you are because of your proximity to me. When you walk with Jesus, when you receive the blessings of God, a fundamental shift in identity takes place, so much so that we might not even recognize ourselves. I am the salt of the earth I am the light of the world? Jesus, you must be confused. You must be talking about somebody who's a much better Christian than I am. But Jesus doesn't give us any wiggle room here, does he? He didn't give any wiggle room to his disciples, none to us either. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Not you should be the salt of the earth. Not you should be the light of the world. You are, because of who I am, Jesus says, you are the salt of the and light, and you're not supposed to hoard it. It's the message here, isn't it? Salt and light of the world. What's Jesus talking about here? Salt, uh, there's lots of different ways we can think about this metaphor. Salt can be used to preserve things. It can be used to make food taste better. Um, In general, let's not press it too far. Salt makes things better, Hmm? Salt makes things better. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus says. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and walked on. Now, salt can't lose its saltiness. If any chemist will tell you, it's an intrinsic uh, aspect of its uh, chemical uh, whatever. I don't know. I'm not a chemist. (laughs) Salt can't lose its saltiness. But what Jesus is saying here is that we as Christians, salt we are, but we can lose our saltiness. When we lose sight of our purpose, when we sit on our hands instead of reaching out in love, we can lose our saltiness. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. A town built on the top of a hill, you can see it for miles around. Nobody lights a lamp and then puts a bowl over it. Why would you do that? A light's meant to shine, It's not meant to be hoarded. It's not much good underneath that bowl. No, no, you take a lamp, you put it on a stand, it gives light to everyone in the home. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In the same breath that Jesus speaks about the blessings of his kingdom, the blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus, he says, you are the salt of, Of the earth. You are the light of the world. You don't have a choice in the matter. This is who you are. It's not something you have to do, it's who you are. By your very existence, the fact that you embody the blessings of this upside down kingdom where those who are poor in spirit and meek are actually the ones who inherit the earth. You are salt. You are light. When you march to the beat of a different drum, when you live according to values that are not the same values as this world, you are salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. But there's a risk here because it is possible for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as people who are called by his name to lose our saltiness or to hide our light Jesus doesn't say this, but I think we all know what happens when you put a candle underneath a bowl. It goes out. When the salt loses its saltiness, it's not good for much, just to be thrown in the trash. I love Eugene Peterson here. Listen to what he says. He says, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? We're the body of Christ. In some real way, we are the presence of the risen, resurrected Jesus in this world. If we lose our saltiness, how will people taste and see that the Lord is good? You've lost your usefulness. You'll end up in the garbage. If we distill down Jesus' call to his disciples that I think continues all throughout uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount, I think we can boil it down to just a few words. We are called to be and do out there. We are called to be followers of Jesus, to be Christ's disciples, to be uh, disciples of Jesus. Being is, is a statement of identity. And that's what Jesus is primarily concerned with in the whole Sermon on the Mount, is that we would not just do righteousness, do righteous deeds, but that we would be an embodiment of the kingdom of God in this place. We need to be and do and do God's will. So and, and, and fulfilling all righteousness. Jesus sets the bar pretty high here. He even says, your righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees. We'll talk more about that next week. Uh, but basically, what we do matters. What does he say at the end of this passage? Uh, Let your light shine that they may see not just who you are, although that's fundamental. Uh, see who you are, but that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It matters that we uh, both be and do out there in the world, not just amongst ourselves, not in the holy huddle. You ever stood on the outside of a huddle before? Everybody else with their arms around each other? Can't really break in, can you? Doesn't feel very welcoming. There's not much light and presence and joy that comes out of that kind of a place. Jesus calls us to be and do (laughs) out there. Now, I think we as Christians oftentimes forget one part of this, or maybe multiple, but what happens if we forget to be followers of Jesus, to be like Christ? When we forget to be, we can do and say all the right things. Uh, we the, Think about the rich young man, uh, rich young ruler who came to Jesus. And, and he said, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, well, you, you need to, or what do the scriptures say? Uh, what, com, what are the commandments there? And, um, and he, he says, um, uh, um, do not murder, obey your parents. And, and, and the, the young man says, uh, I've followed all these things since I was a young child. I've done all these things. And Jesus says, One thing more do you lack sell all you have and give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. It's not enough to just do the righteous things, just follow the rules. We have to be transformed from the inside. What was the rich young man's problem? Was it his greed and his possessiveness was keeping him from being the kind of person that God wanted him to be, following Jesus wherever he might lead. This happens a lot in the the church um, and even for us as Christians. Sometimes we are surprised uh, when we learn about what someone else has done in secret or who they are underneath because they've been doing and saying all the right nice Christian things. Things. It's an issue of integrity, right? It's an issue of integrity. Sometimes this happens in church leadership uh, when, when the news breaks and you find out about an affair or whatever. This is somebody who's, who's been a leader, a pillar in the church, or, or perhaps even a, a minister of the gospel and led many people to Christ. And they were really consumed with the doing and they were even out there doing it. But they forgot about the being. You are. Salt of the earth. You don't just do saltiness. You are salt of the earth. Now what happens if we forget the do? Maybe we have the be down, but we, we, we don't have the do figured out. This is another type of integrity issue, I think. This is where we get into issues of injustice. When when we say, Oh, I'm a I'm a humble person. I'm a good person. I'm, 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 I'm engaging in the practices. I'm humbling myself before God. But we forget to do the practices that lead to righteousness and justice. That's what Isaiah is talking about in chapter 58. I, again, I'm going to read Eugene Peterson's trans, uh, paraphrase, the message. This is what he says. Tell my people what's wrong with their lives. Face my family, Jacob, with their sins. They're busy, busy, busy at worship. And they love studying all about me. And to all appearances, they're a nation of right-living people, law-abiding, God-honoring. They also complain, why do we fast and you don't look our way? When we humble ourselves, you don't even notice. Why is it? It's because on the day of their fasting, they do as they please. And they exploit their workers. And they've neglected the poor and the widow. And forgotten to untie the cords of the yoke and the chains of injustice. We can be so consumed about being a good person and humbling ourselves before God that we forget that our righteousness and our faith has to be lived out in the public sphere. James uh, doesn't mince words here. Uh, he, He says, actually, if you don't have the doing down, that makes me question that the being is there at all. What does he say? Faith without works is dead. Faith doesn't depend on works in the sense that our works are what earn us to heaven. But, but if our faith is not shown by what we do in the world, our faith is dead. Sometimes we forget to do God's will. What happens uh, when maybe we have the being and the doing all together, but we forget to go out there? I think that's a, an issue that we deal with a lot in the church, isn't it? Isn't it? We like being together, and we are kind, loving people, and and it's good to be in fellowship with other Christians, but we never go beyond the walls of this community. We don't reach out with, with deep relationships beyond this place. We forget to go out there. We forget that discipleship, truly speaking, is all about evangelism. Discipleship isn't just about me and Jesus. That's what it was for me when I was in high school. You know, it's like, why do I need to come to this place to worship with all these people? Because I can just talk to Jesus. That's what's going on here, right? But we forget, we forget that the call is to be and do and then to go out and gather God's people together. In a couple months, we're going to have a few students who are going to be confirmed. We have a discipleship confirmation program here uh, that for our uh, middle school and high school students, and, um, and we, we go through a two-year curriculum, and we go through the Old Testament, and we go through the New Testament, and we're talking about discipleship and how do we learn about the Bible and allow God to transform us. It's a, it's a fantastic program, but it's easy to think that discipleship is all about that kind of stuff all about learning stuff about the Bible in a class. And and we forget that it's actually, no, discipleship has to be lived out. We have to go out there. On Confirmation Sunday, our confirmands will stand up here. Confirmands, if you're listening, you need to know this. Um, And we're going to come up here, and and I'm going to take a little bit of salt, and I'm going to put it on your tongue. And I'm going to hand you a candle that's lit. Because we want you not just to be followers of Jesus, but we want you to understand that if you're following Jesus, you are salt and light in this world. And if we don't go out, we're not going to make it very far. So what stands in our way? What stands in our way of being and doing out there the way that God has called us to be disciples who make disciples? I think there's a few things One, I think, um, that co-opted Christianity tricks us into thinking that we're already doing it. Christianity, Christian is a subculture. If you've ever been to a a Christian music festival, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, A Christian music festival has everything that a secular music festival has, minus the alcohol um, uh, and and drugs. Um, But but, but with, with the label Christian, on the front, okay? Right? It's all the same stuff. It's just Christian music and a Christian t shirt and a Christian album, whatever it is. We do this in Christianity all the time. We, we take an element of our culture and we baptize it and we make our own semi okay replica of it um, and, and we say, hey, we're living out our Christian faith. Um, now, those things aren't necessarily bad, but what that masks is, I think. That we can do all the Christian subculture stuff without actually questioning the values that lie underneath those practices. If we're living out the same values as the world around us of consumerism and celebrityism and whatever else, we're not any different, are we? We're not any different. We may think we're salt and light, but we haven't really been transformed. Our values haven't shifted. We haven't been reoriented to the upside-down kingdom that Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. Co-opted Christianity allows us to slap the label Christian on something without the transformation. It's a whole lot easier than living out the kingdom values of Jesus. My friends, maybe we need to look at whether we are falling into that trap. What else stands in our way? Plain and simple, I think the thing that a lot of us fear is opposition. And we're right to fear that on some level, or we're right to at least expect that, because Jesus says it will come. Jesus doesn't even say, he's not even talking to people who are going and doing street corner evangelism. This is just, this is just if you are following me, <laughs> that's all it takes. If you are following me, what does he say at the end of the Beatitudes? Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is what the world does to people who live out the values of God. They're persecuted. So rejoice when that comes. Rejoice when it comes and, and, and allow God to transform you from the inside out. One commentator uh, s- said it this way, sometimes we're called to be salt and light. Sometimes we're called to be the salt that just might sting and the light that just might expose what we don't want to see. That's what salt and light does. We need to expect that that's going to come and, and, and prepare for it. And as Jesus says, reorient our understanding that we would die to our, our desire to fit in or to please others and live instead to the kingdom that God has created for us. Now, some of you may have another barrier standing in the way. And this is one that I think um, is, uh, is maybe hard for some of us who have grown up in the church to understand, but very alive and well um, in, in, in our world today. And that is plain and simply, Jesus, I just don't buy it. I don't buy it that your kingdom is what you say it is. I don't buy it that blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor. From everything I've seen, the poor are not blessed. Life is hard. The meek are not given the earth. They don't inherit the earth. They're trampled upon the earth. Jesus, what are you talking about? I don't buy it. One commentator talked about his own journey of faith. When he was in high school, he was a three-sport athlete. He and his friends were cocky and prideful, and they were on top of the world. And he talks about being in youth group and his youth pastor preaching about the Beatitudes and the kingdom of God and how we need to adopt this, this humble attitude towards others. And this guy and his friends just sat in the background, and they scoffed at themselves. They're like, what is this guy talking about? We know a better way of life. We know a better way of living. A few years later, uh, he found himself in in the military. He was there in Vietnam, once again, a group of cocky, young, this time pilots, who had something to prove. And after a day that was particularly bloody, and there had been um, a long battle that day, he sat out under the starry Vietnam sky And he thought about what his life must look like from God's perspective, if there is a God. And he reflected on the fact, and this is what he said to himself, he said, I had killed gleefully that day. And in that moment, under those stars, he said, the kingdom of this world was unmasked for what it is. And suddenly the kingdom values of Jesus Christ rose in my estimation. The kingdom of violence and might and 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 strength was unmasked for what it is in all its ugliness. Not only for its ugliness and the violence that it brings, but what it does to those of us who live according to those values. Suddenly, the values of Jesus' kingdom made a lot of sense. And that day forward, his life was transformed. One scholar uh, says, you know, we talk about the upside-down kingdom of Jesus, but really we should talk about the right-side-up kingdom of Jesus because it's the kingdom of this world that is upside-down, and we experience that every day that we run into suffering and pain and loss. Can we lean into Jesus' right-side-up kingdom, friends? That's what our call is as salt and light, who we already are. What a joy to be salt and light in this sense, isn't it? to to expose how upside down this world is and to point people to the fact that this isn't all there is. There is more. There is life abundant that you were made for. There is a God who loves us and brought us out of death and out of brokenness and into healing and wholeness. That's what we do as salt and light in the world. We're called to be citizens of God's right-side-up kingdom and to do the will of God, both in here and out there. And it's only possible by the Spirit. We can't do it on our own strength. The Spirit's the one who does the work to make us salt and light. The question for us then is, not will you be salt and light, but what will you do with your saltiness? What will you do with the light that you've been given? Will you lean into it? Will you, as Isaiah says, uh, let your light break forth like the dawn? Let your healing quickly appear to the world around you. It's only possible when we walk together, my friends. So together, can we lean into Jesus' right-side-up kingdom? We're not supposed to hoard it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the gifts and blessings which we do not deserve. God, show us what you've blessed us for. Call us to be who you've already made us, both in here and out there. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace, both today and forever. And may you walk in the assurance of that peace wherever today may take you. Amen.